0: Good morning, Freedom Fellowship. Glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. I'm excited to be here, being able to speak with you this morning. Uh, We are taking just a quick little break from the series we've been doing, uh, Stress Less. It has been an incredible series. If you haven't been here as part of that series, let me encourage you to go back online, check out some of the videos of those previous services. And let me just tell you, our pastor has been bringing it, so you definitely want to dig in there, check that out, and know that next week we'll pick back up with that. So, in a minute, we're going to dig into today's uh, developing a habit of worship, but before we talk about developing a habit of worship, I'm going to do the same thing I did in the previous service, and I want to encourage you in, is that we all have habits in our lives, and one of the habits I think we need to do as a church, especially, is to be completely in the habit of praying for our pastor and his family and encouraging them. I think that is a super important thing to do. No hands up, but I just want to ask you, and once again, no hands up, do you you pray for our pastor on a consistent basis? If not, let me encourage you to begin that habit of doing so. I also want to encourage you because a lot of times when someone else gets up here and speaks, a lot of people will come up and be like, good job, great job. And I always wonder myself, do people consistently go tell the pastor that? Because if not, they really should be in the habit of doing that as well. And when the pastor's not here and his family's not here, I think it would be a super cool idea to be in the habit of sending him text to let them know that he was missed and stuff like that. So I just want As we talk about the habit of worship, I want to encourage you to be in the habit of encouraging and praying for your pastor because he is leading this congregation in an incredible way. So I want to encourage you to do that. So to do that, let's go ahead and pray and get this started in case you're not in the habit. We're going to pray for him specifically before we get started with the rest of the message. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, thanking you so much for the opportunity to be a part of this church, to be able to worship you this morning. Lord, we pray for our pastor and we pray for his family. That, Lord God, you would encourage them wherever they're at this morning. Encourage them in their walk with you. Encourage them in their bond as a family, Lord. I know a lot of times pastors can hit, be hit with so many discouraging things and last-minute preparations and adjustments in life. And I pray for him, Father God, that you would strengthen Pastor Joseph day by day, deepen his relationship with you, that it overflows into this congregation and in our individual lives, Lord God, as you're working in him. Continue to be with and encourage and us family, Lord God, his wife, his daughters, Lord, and, and just bless them, Lord. And once again, we are thankful to be under the privilege of his leadership. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Don't let that be a habit that started today. Once again, I want to encourage you to continue that as well. So, are y'all ready to dig into developing the habit of worship? Before we do that, I want to encourage you to think about this. Every one of you in this room, in a room this size specifically, and I would say, I'm going to stick with everybody, part of it is this. Everybody in this room has habits. 100% of you in this room have habits. The thing is, you've got to figure out, are you got, do you have good habits or do you have bad habits? Because every one of us have habits, good or bad. We can go through a whole list of a bunch of habits that people have. Uh, for instance, we got sleep habits. Some of you have really good sleep habits. You got a set time that you like to go to bed. You got a set time that you wake up, and you feel super refreshed every morning. Do we have a few of those people that have that kind of sleep habit? Maybe I should pray for some of y'all, uh, all of us, because we it's good to see the majority of the congregation this morning has the same terrible sleep habits that I have. Like I went I went to bed at like 2 o'clock this morning and then I couldn't sleep all night long and then I get up at 6.30 so you're like man you got really energized Dwayne to be that tired. Well that's because I have another bad habit and that's because when I'm tired like that and I have to get up and speak like this I go get a Red Bull some of y'all have heard that before. I've got a stash of them. There's four back there. Cans. I used one of the cans today uh, due to some of the changes in my eating lifestyle and stuff like that I've cut out the Red Bulls mostly but Day I needed one and I'm wide awake. Really bad habit. So you got sleeping habits, you got work habits. Some of y'all got really good work habits. You show up five minutes early, you're willing to stay five minutes late. Some of you barely make it to work sometimes. I mean we have good and we have bad habits. Uh, You have driving habits. I'm in that bad category again because I have some bad driving habits. I uh, tend to get a little emotional driving in some things. Uh, thankfully, God's working in my heart, and there are some good ones developing to kind of shove that bad stuff out. Uh, let me, let's just be honest. How many of you got some bad driving habits? Some of y'all lie. How many he's got a habit of lying? All right, so, all right. Some of you have school habits. If you're in school, you got all types of habits. You probably get criticized for some of these habits. you got bad Good or bad reading habits, good or bad study habits, good or bad uh, note-taking habits. Some of us have emotional habits. Uh, some of you emotionally, when you're having a tough day, you got to go home, cut on the Netflix, watch it for a few hours or a few dozen hours to binge watch a television show to forget about what's going on in life. Some of you got to go eat a whole bunch to fill your stomachs up, to forget about all the emotional stress that's going on. Ice cream's a high recommendation for that if you're thinking it through. Uh, some of you have physical habits, uh, exercise or no exercise, exercise. All of us in this room, 100% of you, either have good or you have bad habits. Guarantee it. Let me say this too. Habits are not neutral. You either have one or two habits, good or bad. They're not neutral. You don't get to like, oh, I'm just all good habits. or I don't really have habits. You do. 100% of us in this room have habits. Some of you may already know, but I want to give us kind of a brief definition of what habits are. It's going to be up on the screen. It's this. Habits are unconscious patterns of behavior or character developed through repetition. It means basically you develop a habit that you do, and it becomes part of your behavior, it becomes part of your character. And once again, there is no neutral. You are developing good or you're developing bad habits and it will 100% show up in your behavior and it will 100% show up in your character. If I got a bad habit of driving, then my behavior is going to be examples of that throughout my drive from point A to point B and my character flaws are going to start to show through that as well. There is no neutral when it comes to habits. Habits are unconscious patterns of behavior, character, and the key word again is develop. Everybody say that with me. It is developed. You develop your habits good, or you develop your habits bad. You don't just wake up one day in a habit of something. You develop that thing. So, the question is, what kind of habits do you have, good or bad? See, there's all types of habits that we have in life. You've got to decide what you want as part of your habits. Some of y'all know that I have lost a good bit of weight. I get it mentioned to me all the time, and sometimes I wonder how fat was I when I'm asked that. So, uh, matter of fact, I, I work at Belt uh, part time and I, I go there, and, and like some people don't see me for two or three weeks. And, and even yesterday, I'm like, somebody said, You look like half of you's disappeared. And I'm like, What? How about? Like, what about was I then? Like, I still, like. and then another person's like, Oh, look, it's skinny Dwayne. I'm like, well, what, what did you think when I was walking through here last time? There's fat Dwayne belts. In through the, like, come on, what's going on? Like, I've lost some weight. The reason I gained the weight, I used to average about one eighty, and then I don't know what happened in like a three-year period of time. Well, I actually do know what happened. I went from having somewhat good habits to really bad habits because I got in this really bad habit of eating late at night. Does anybody else have that habit? Like, eating late at night. Like, I'm talking about extreme eating late at night. I would get off at work at Belk at, like, 10 o'clock. I'd go home, and I really love cereal. That's one of the things I enjoyed in life when I was eating bad, is I would get some Captain Crunch. It has to be peanut butter, because that's the anointed of God, peanut butter, Captain Crunch. And then you had some Cocoa Krispies. you throw them in together. That's like peanut butter chocolate. Some of you was like, preach, Dwayne. I'm just saying, that is some good stuff right there. So you put that in there together. I would eat not one, but two bowls of that, and I'd still be a little bit hungry. And so I'd have to go get some Doritos out. And the best thing for Doritos is to dip those things in some ranch dressing. And so next thing I know, I've had two bowls of cereal, half a bag of chips with some ranch dressing on them, and uh, guess what, good habit or bad habit? Bad habit. And then we know my sleeping habits are all jacked up anyway, so it takes me longer to go to bed, and I'm really sleepy and tired, and I get up the next morning, and I'm like, you know, really bad habits. See, there's no neutral. I either have good habits or bad habits. But see, sometimes we are forced into having to make a decision: do we want to continue into bad habits, or do we want to replace them with good habits? And I was kind of pushed into that. Some of you have asked me how I've lost the weight. Well, here's kind of the background story of that. I had to go to the doctor because I thought they thought I had. A, well, I was having a lot of pains right here because I went to the. Uh, I forgot the name of the jump place, but I'm jumping on the trampoline and all that, and I felt like it was really hurting right there, so a couple of days later, I went, and I'm like, okay, doctor, what's going on? And she said, I think you're having a hiatal hernia, so I'm going to send you to get an ultrasound for the hiatal hernia. I'm like, okay, cool, I just want this to quit, because it was hurting really bad. So I went, got uh, the ultrasound, and the lady starts right here for like two or three seconds, and then she's all the way down here on the other parts of my stomach, and I'm like, Man, let me ask you a question. I thought I was here for a hiatal hernia, but you're spending all your time down here. Hiatal hernia is here. Like, she shouldn't know that because she's like, it was just kind of. And she led to me and was like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but hiatal hernias don't show up on ultrasounds. I get a little temperamental sometimes. And I'm like, what do you mean that? Why did the doctor send me here? She's like, I don't know. I'm just doing what she recommended that we do. And I am furious. So anybody ever been to like, a doctor's appointment and that ain't what it's supposed to be? And you're like, I'm mad. My daughter was with me at the appointment. I go out and I'm like arguing with her. I'm like, Megan, I cannot believe that doctor sent me here. And we just wasted two hours this morning. And I, they didn't even check nothing. Like, this is stupid. I called my wife. I'm like, I'm, the people you work with are idiots, and I can't believe that they sent me to this doctor, and it makes no sense whatsoever. So, anyway, I'm mad for two days, and then I get my my chart pops up, and I'm like, I wonder what this is about. So I check it, and I'm like, this is going to be just stupid. Let's recommend another thing for you that caused the ultrasound that was supposed to be for what it was. wasn't what it was. So I'm mad, and I pull it up, and it says that I have a fatty and enlarged liver. And I'm like, that got real. And so I'm a little upset, and so I start researching, and it's like for, like, alcoholics drinking a lot, that's one of the reasons I don't drink at all. So I'm like, that clears that out. And the other thing is high intakes of sugar and no exercise and stuff like that can wear on you as well. Well, we know that that's obviously a bad habit issue that I got because I just told you i wipe out two bowls of cereals and chips all in one night. So there. At which point, I'm reading that, researching that, and I have some now which are an anointed candy of God, sitting right beside my counter where I watch uh, my TV app, and I look over the nailators, and I really was wanting one, and I was looking on my phone, and I was like, I don't know if this is wise. So I'm like, bump this. I'm going to go out one day, but it ain't going to be because of this because I'm not taking care of myself. So I take my annihilators, I take them, throw them in the trash. I turn slightly to my right to where my pantry is. Now, you've got to keep in mind, this is the end of May, first part of June, and I, yes, still have Christmas trees, the little debbies, in my uh, pantry. And I'm like, oh, Lord, <laughs> And so I grabbed those things, I chunked them in the trash, and I wept like a... No, I didn't really want... I, I, was, I was upset, but I did bag it up, and I tightened it up, and I put it out in my outdoor trash because I, didn't, I would be ashamed to dig in my outdoor trash for those things. <laughs> but if they were inside, I still would have been tempted to dig through the trash. That's a Seinfeld reference, if you've never seen that, where he's digging in the trash. So that... I, I'm just telling you, habits affect our lives. So what I decided to do is wipe all that out. I lost all the weight because I changed and exchanged a bad habit for a good habit, and it gives results. I'm either going to continue in bad habits or we continue in good habits, and that includes spiritual habits, too. There's a lot of spiritual habits I could talk about this morning. There's the spiritual habit of prayer, which we all should be doing. We should be praying for others. We should be praying for our families. We should be praying for our pastor. We should be praying, praying, praying people. We should be in the habit. The minute something bad happens, we hit our knees in prayer instead of worrying about it. We should be in the habit of praying. There's also the habit of worship we not worship but of coming to church we need to be in the habit of that that is so important Other people need to have connections with you and Jesus has called you to come to church not just for what you can get out of it but what you can pour into it through serving and being a part of people's lives. We need to be in the habit of praying. We need to be in the habit of serving and going to church and reading our Bible. They're all important habits that we need to be developing. But I think at the center of all these habits we could do spiritually is the habit of worship. Because if we develop the habit of worship then it naturally overflows into the habit of praying. It naturally overflows into the habit of reading God's Word, it naturally ever flows into the habit of coming to church and serving. The habit of worship is so crucial in our walk with God. And it's a habit that we need to be developing. See, our habits affect us personally, as I shared with the weight issue, and it affects those around me. If you talk to somebody who's got bad habits... It affects them and it affects their families. There's all types of good habits and bad habits. There's good habits. If you want a good family, you probably, when you get home, would be a good idea just to cut your phone off completely and put it to the side if you want to develop a good habit of a good family life. Cut off the TV and have a conversation with your husband and wife instead of getting caught up in that. Those are really good habits to do because your habits aren't neutral and your habits affect you personally and will affect the people that you love in your life. But I want to focus on this habit of worship. And I'm going to show you a video in just a second. And before we watch this video, I want to ask you a question. It's a question when I taught the same message years ago at another church. I was actually looking through Twitter, and I came upon this guy named Louis Giglio. If you've never heard him speak before, I encourage you to go check him out. Look him up on YouTube. Incredible speaker. And then on his Twitter, he put these words. Will you go to church worshiping, or are you going to church to worship? Do you go to church worshiping or do you go to church to worship? See, there's a big difference. Do you already worship God before you get to church? Or do you come to church just to get your worship in? Do you come to church worshiping or do you come just to worship? Because if you come to church worshiping, you'll have one of the best experiences you can have during a worship service. And then you'll leave also worshiping. But if you're coming to church just to worship, then it really didn't matter a lot to you before you got there. And you're showing up maybe just to be a part of a show. And if you want to know how to participate in just the show of worship, and you've got no desire to show up worshiping or to leave worshiping, I want to help you to be the best momentary, temporary, one-hour worshiper you can be. And there's a lot of ways to do that, and I'm encouraged. I found this video on YouTube. It's of a Pentecostal church, and they really get into their worship sometimes in Pentecostal churches. And I think it's great that they're kind of making fun of themselves and kind of pointing out to the idea that some people just come to church to worship, so they really need to know the proper way to lift hands, close eyes, all that. And I'm going to let the video kind of speak for itself.
1: Worship an essential part of any Pentecostal church service. It is a participatory activity by nature, but it is not uncommon for some members of a given congregation to feel uncertain about how to engage in worship appropriately. This instructional film will attempt to provide some clear guidelines for those of you who feel this way. Clapping. Since most worship sets begin with upbeat songs, Clapping along with the fast songs can serve as an easy and effective way to loosen up. But when attempting to do this, you may find yourself wondering, what beats should I clap on? (laughs) Don't worry. This tends to puzzle the better part of most suburban congregations. Clapping on beat is really quite simple. In 4-4 time, you clap on beats 2 and 4. In cut time, or 2-4, you clap on beat 2, not 1. On an up-tempo 6 8 feel, clap on beat 4. If the song is in 3-quarter time, there's typically no need to clap. Just watch the drummer's left hand. When he hits the snare, you should clap. Dancing. There may be times during your worship experience that you feel the need to express yourself physically, but are unsure of how to do so appropriately. This is totally normal. Just remember that odds are no one around you knows how to dance either. The easiest way is to jump up and down to the rhythm of the song. To call this dancing, is really quite generous, as casual observers would likely call it hopping in place. But it works for most people. If jumping in church is too far out of your comfort zone, some safer alternatives include the knee bender, heel popper, or stationary march. Remember, the dancing is only acceptable on fast songs. Breaking into a jig during a slow song will likely make you appear insane. Hand raising. Many people raise their hands during worship as an act of surrender, but one should be careful to do so in a considerate manner. Ask yourself these questions. Am I wearing deodorant? If the answer is no, don't just go raising your hands as high as you can, as this could be a distraction to your neighbor. Instead, employ the half-mast method, and spare your friends the agony. How much room do I have? Before you throw your hands in the air, and wave them like you just don't care, take a quick glance around you to check for available space. Nothing can ruin a worship experience faster than having your eyeball gouged out by an inconsiderate worshiper. Sincerity. Anyone can simply sing, dance, and clap their hands. But how do you show God that you are sincere in your efforts? Simple. You must use appropriate facial expressions at all times. This is usually accomplished by pretending to be in varying amounts of discomfort. Let's try it. Raise your hands to just above the shoulders. Now imagine you're passing a kidney stone. Nicely done. Very authentic looking. Also, remember to close your eyes. You can't communicate with the Lord with your eyes open. That's a rule. If you simply must have them open, at least look up at the ceiling or something. It makes you appear more spiritual. Now you possess all of the tools necessary to worship God effectively, or to at least appear so.
0: Some key words in there, at least appear so, or appear spiritual. The thing I asked before the video is, did you come to church worshipping, or did you come to church to worship? See, if you've got an attitude that you're worshipping God at all times... I'm a person, I I love to lift my hands and worship and praise God. I've been known to do a little jig too, but I want you to understand it is not about that. If I'm not willing to do that at home in the privacy of my home, then I should not be Running in here to worship to do it because it is being part of a show. See what we happen to understand in worship is that we develop our habit for worshiping in our home and in our private lives, and it overflows into our church life. Don't come to church to worship because when you do that, you're just being a part of a show. And God wants more than a relationship of showtime with you; He wants an everyday attitude of worshiping Him. And that's what I want to kind of dig in and take it from there. See, I want, I want us to look at this idea: the habit of worship develops in our lives as we give value and worth to a person, thing, or thought above all else. See, worshiping of God takes place before the service, during the service, and after the service, just as anything that we love. It is giving value and it is giving worth to a person, thing, or thought above all else is what happens. See, we're all in this room are created to worship, each and every one of us. And everyone in this room worships something. See, some of you in this room, you worship your family. Some of you in this room worship sports. Some of you in here, including myself at times, worship recreation, worship jobs, worship dreams, worship goals, worship fame. We all are created to worship, and we all have worship of other things sometimes. We get it all twisted and messed up. And I want us to look at at, at this next point is this. We are created to be in the habit of worshiping Jesus Christ alone. See, everybody in this room worships something. It may be family, it may be sports, it may be recreation, it may be friends, it may be someone you want to date. You've got to focus on something. You are worshiping something. Something takes value above all else in your life. But we are created, each and every one of us in this room are created, each and every one of us in this world are created to worship Jesus Christ alone. There's an incredible verse, and it's going to be a theme throughout the rest of our time, is this, Romans 11.36 says this, For everything, how many things? Everything, for everything comes from Him and exists by His power. It exists by His What? His power and intended for His, everybody say it with me, glory. So let's look at it again. Everything comes from Him and exists by His power, and it is intended for His glory. Now I mentioned some things a minute ago that we get in the attitude of worshiping. I want us to change our mindset and understand that our family is. It comes from Him and it exists by His power, and it is intended for His glory. When we think of sports, it exists. It everything comes from Him. It exists by his power and it is intended for his glory. When it comes to our recreation, it is a blessing from him, it exists by his power, it is intended for his glory. When it comes to your job, it is everything it comes from him, it exists by his power and it is intended for his glory. When it comes to your dreams, your goal, your fame, whatever it may be, know that it all comes from him. It exists by His power, and it's for His glory. Your family is for His glory and His honor, but it blesses you. Your recreation time is for His honor and for His glory, but it blesses you. Your friendships are for His honor and for His glory, but it blesses you. you got to understand, we are created to worship Him, for it is from Him that all things overflow into our lives. If we can understand that, it will change the way we see the world around us. None of those things I mentioned are bad, but they must have the priority underneath the worship of Jesus Christ who created those things, who allows their existence, and to remember, therefore, His glory. So if any of those things ever fall apart, and you've got Jesus above them all, guess what? There's hope to be had. We need to understand that. See, our our worship needs to overflow in our lives. It needs to show in our lives. It needs to be a worship that comes to church, worships, worships at church, and when we leave, too. See, Jesus tells this story in Luke chapter 19, 37 through 40, and I think it's interesting. It's an awesome story about how worship should naturally happen in all of our lives. Look at it with me. Verse 37, When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying these things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheering. He's saying, my disciples are worshiping me. They've seen the gifts that I've given them in these miracles. And they're choosing right now to worship me. And the Pharisees are like, you need to shut that down. And Jesus says, I'm not shutting it down. Because they're created to worship. And if they don't worship, then something else that I didn't create to worship me that way, I will make worship me that way. And that's going to freak you all out. (laughs) Because it's going to be stones praising me. And and let me just tell you, I've got this mental picture whenever I've read this verse, is this. I don't know if y'all have seen the M&M commercials, but I have. The M&Ms have the legs, and they got the hands, and they can speak. And I picture that with this rock connection right there. I don't know about you, but if I got an M&M out the bag and threw it on the ground, it sprouted legs, hands, and started speaking, I'm either going to kill the thing or I'm going to run. It's going to freak me out. (laughs) Because you know what? M&Ms are supposed to be tasty in my mouth. They're not supposed to be talking to me. That's not what they were created for. And I want you to understand when we're talking about what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying that my people are created to praise and to worship me. And you're telling them to be quiet. They can choose to be quiet, but they're going to miss the opportunity to be what I've called them to be. And that is worshipers. And I will make them sprout out some feet, these rocks, and some hands. And they will start praising me. And let me tell you, Pharisees, you're going to even want to kill them or run. Which one would you prefer? My people to be praising me or maybe make something else? Because I'm going to get to praise and the honor. A rock should praise me from its beauty. A tree should praise me from its beauty. Uh, a, a believer following me needs to praise me from its beauty and the way it lives its life. And the words that it speaks in every area. See, there, there's this constant thing. Is Jesus who He says He is. Jesus makes some outstanding claims. In John 10, 30-33, I and the Father are one, one. Again, His Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone Him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone Me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be what? God. Jesus made some outstanding claims. If they are true claims, then how do we react? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If Jesus is who he says he is, he was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life without any sin. He went to the cross for our sins and died the most brutal death known to mankind. He died on that cross for our sins. He was buried and was raised on the third day. If he is who he claims to be, then what should our reaction be? I'll give you one word, worship. And it's important to develop that habit of worship in our lives. See, there's people that have balled into if Jesus is who he says he is, then I got to react to it. Matthew 16, 13, and then 15 through 16, there's this conversation with Peter. And Jesus says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Verse 15, Peter responds after Jesus says these words, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. If Jesus is who he says he is, we've got to proclaim that and we proclaim it through our worship. See, uh, John the Baptist in John 3.30, understanding who Jesus was, says he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. I don't believe in coincidences, but one of the songs that was sung earlier had to do with us becoming less and him becoming greater. Can you grasp that idea of what it means to worship God? And then we have to decide in our generation ourselves in John 20, 29, blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. If Jesus is who he says he is, then what should my reaction be? Worship. Not worship just when you come to church. Not worship just when you go to a Bible study. But you come to those things worshiping. You worship there and you leave worshiping because you develop a habit of worship in your life. See, but I need you to understand this, and I want you to see in this next point is this: there's a battle for the habit of our worship. There's a constant battle, and there's, there's several different ways in the battle rages. Because our attention is always trying to be pulled away from God, from Jesus. There's a constant battle for our worship. And there's the story in John chapter 4: Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And at this well, there's this woman, and she's been leading an empty life, and there's this, this perfect encounter Jesus has with her. And she's been searching for something in her life to fulfill her. And she's done it through different relationships with different guys. And none of them seems to have worked out. And Jesus says, why don't you go get your current husband? And she's like, uh... And then Jesus kind of brings it back to this point. And the woman is, is convicted in understanding that Jesus isn't there judging her, or condemning her, her. He is loving her completely. And in the process of that, she wants to have a conversation about worship. John 4, 19 through 24. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me why is it that you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim that it is in Mount of Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus ant- replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship the Father, on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, is here, now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way, in spirit and truth. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. But I can tell you right now, unfortunately, many churches and many people who claim to be following jesus are having a battle for their worship and they got it all twisted and messed up in our society i've been part of a church plant before that met in a movie theater you know how many people i would tell sometimes that we met in a movie theater and they would look at me like how do you worship jesus in a movie theater didn't they show rated r movie last night?" like like the concept passes them sometimes you have people like this morning i thought it was incredible time once again that liz is up here leading and we don't we didn't have a band this morning some people walk in and be like, hey, where's the band? How can we worship God without the band? Uh, because it's not about the band, it's about Jesus. It's about the heart of a person who wants to worship God, willing to lead. Do you know on our Wednesday nights, a lot of times we don't have a worship leader. We just throw videos up on the screen. And I would challenge you, these kids get passionate about their worship in here on Wednesday night. And they ain't got a soul up here. You don't want to know why? Because they're focused on Jesus, not person singing from the stage. Do you know people get so twisted up in worship sometimes? They think if, I'm not, if people aren't running in my church, then they're not worshiping. Some people say if people are just standing like that quietly, they're not worshiping. We don't get to define worship. Jesus did. It is in spirit and it is in truth. Is the Holy Spirit in it? Is he convicting people of their sins? Are they changing course in their life? And are they basing it off the truth of the word of God? That is where it comes from. It is not about a style. It is not about a method. Because if you get caught up in styles and methods, the battle for your worship's already been won, and it ain't been won by you and your relationship with God. It's been won by the distraction. So you got methods and stuff that battle for your worship. you got uh, our own personal wills that battle for our worship. The next thing I want to share with you is in Isaiah chapter 14, 13 through 14. This is the story of, of Satan. If you don't know the background of Satan, Satan was created as a cherubim. That was an angel of God. And then he decided he didn't want to do what God created him to do. He was going to do his own thing. And in this, I want you to understand, there's a battle for our worship. Sometimes it comes from methods and ideas of others. Sometimes it comes from ourselves because we get caught up in what my will is versus what God's will is. We don't have him as the priority. We got our own will and our own way as the priority. So look at this. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God's far away from the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. I will, I will, I will. You can't have your will in your way and God's will in his way. They are going to collide at some point in time. And you've got to decide, are you going to worship yourself or are you going to worship God? So you can worship methods, you can worship yourself, or you can worship God. You can't do both. Good habit or bad habit. There's no neutral in our spiritual habits either. But Jesus deals with Satan in this wonderful way in Matthew chapter 4. It's the temptations Jesus faced after 40 days in the wilderness. And we'll start in verse 8. The devil took him to the peak at a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Satan says, I will give it to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Verse 10. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him. The battle for worship, whether it's a battle of methods, it's a battle of your own self-will, it all ends when you tell the enemy and those battle bringers to get out of here that you're going to focus on the truth of God, Scripture, and you're going to trust in the Spirit of God, and you're going to keep pushing through. Because let me tell you, Satan's going to get out of there because he don't want to be in that much presence of God if you're leaning into him. If you're trusting in Jesus, leaning into him. There's battles for our worship. So the question is, how do we get victory in our, the habit of worship? How do we develop a habit of victory in our worship? Because Jesus' victory is our victory too if we're following in his footsteps because he's clearing the path and we've got to follow. So, how do we develop a habit of victory in our worship? The first thing, and one of the most important things is this, by staying in view of God's mercy. We've got to stay in the view of God's mercy. Stay in the view of God's mercy. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Paul's not saying, I recommend that this is a good idea. I don't, Paul's not saying I kind of suggest this. This might help you out. Paul is literally like begging, he's like, I urge you, please, please, in view of God's mercy, I need you to understand. This whole worshiping and following Jesus comes first from getting in view of God's mercy to understand who He is and what He's done for us. Do you understand the bloody brutality of the cross and what He went through for our sins? Do you understand that great mercy He showed? I want to show this quick little video clip from the Passion of Christ to bring our minds to that.
1: (laughs) Hah! <laughs> what? Wait, wait! illum regem vermum.
0: Habe Rex
1: verminosus, Ha, ha, ha.
0: I urge you in view of God's mercy. See, I think we so oftentimes get caught up and captivated by other things. We get caught up in what's going on in our lives in this world, and we lose the view and the understanding of God's mercy. There's an old hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. How often do you think about the cross during a given day? Anytime you're going through difficulty and suffering, how often do you think about the cross that that Jesus and what He went through for you, that you could have a hope to anchor into? That the the forsaken moment that Jesus speaks out right there was so that you would never ever feel forsaken. You know that you have an anchor to be rooted in. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, it will change the way you worship. It will cause you to be a person who shows up worshiping and leaves worshiping because you're captivated and encouraged and challenged and changed by the view of God's mercy. Then sometimes, once we understand that, then, then sometimes we can go about singing. Psalms two says, Sing to Him, sing praise to Him. And then sometimes w- w- we do it by bowing in honor. Psalms 95, verse six: Come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Because we are all eventually going to be called to do that. Philippians 2.10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Sometimes we do it by dancing. Psalms 149.3, let us praise His name with dancing. Then sometimes we do it by sacrificing with praise. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, how often? Continually offer to God sacrifice of praise. And I just want to paint this picture. Our family's kind of going through a, a difficult time right now. lost my uh, former brother-in-law uh, this past week, and my wife's been there trying to help my sister-in-law, and uh, they had divorced, and but my nephew, who is in middle school, is going through a hard time with this whole thing with his dad passing. And when you start to think about that, it, I'm watching... This mom who's a single mom, been a single mom for a while, but now that the dad's gone too, it's a whole different level. And I've seen her faith incredibly keep shining through. And for faith to keep shining through in a circumstance like that is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of understanding that I'm going to trust God, I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to love God in spite of the way I feel right now. And so we're all called to a sacrifice of praise, because let me tell you, we don't feel it sometimes. But we keep doing it anyway because we developed the habit of doing it that when a hard time comes, our first thing getting to throw a temper tantrum or to get worried and freaked out, our, our habit is to bow down and worship. Our, our habit is to lift hands and worship. Our habit is to pray and worship, to trust God for it. Because we believe in God's promises are 100% true and they will never fail. And we will put our faith in those promises and we believe that one day, whether it's here or in eternity, we will have the feeling and the satisfaction that we trusted and worshiped God and it all came complete. As he had promised. A sacrifice of praise, but it's never easy. And then finally, by continually offering everything to him. Let's go back to that Romans. 12 1 because we know everything belongs to him anyway y'all remember as we started that off he created everything it is by his power that exists is for his glory but as we close in romans 12 1 therefore i urge you brothers in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god this is your spiritual act of worship you come to church worshiping, you worship at church, you leave worshiping, your entire body, your entire words, your entire use of your hands, your feet, everything is supposed to be dedicated and developing constantly to worshiping God because you ain't got none of it if He didn't give it to you to be for His honor and for His glory, and you get the blessing included of it. That is what we need to understand. But unfortunately, what happens is more like Matthew 15, 7-9. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain because they come just to church or they come just to a Bible study, but they're missing me in their everyday lives. Their worship's in vain. Church is awesome and in a place of encouragement, but it's a waste of time if you don't understand that you're supposed to do something with it afterwards and you can do something to make it more powerful in your way. Worship. Is important. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we come before you in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for each and every person in this room because I believe it is no coincidence that we're here. I believe there are some people who needed to hear that message that needed to be reminded of the love that you showed on the cross for them. Lord, I, I pray if there's someone in this room who doesn't have a relationship with you, who's never gone to the cross and, and confessed their sins knowing that you were doing that for their behalf, that this morning they would find themselves at the foot of the cross asking forgiveness of their sins, knowing that you do forgive, that you will walk with them the rest of their lives, that, Lord, they can give up their will for your will and your way, which is greater. Lord, I pray for those who have been encouraged by this message in some other way to understand worship's not about a method, it's about a Savior and about a King, it's about you, Jesus. I pray that just you've renewed our hearts and renewed our minds today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.